Now, I believe you and I know that there really will be a time of accountability before God someday, a time of reckoning for how we lived our life on earth. But perhaps many of us don't realize that that time of reckoning, that time of accountability will include the words that we chose to speak and the words that we chose to withhold. How we use our tongue, our words in this life are clear evidence as to whether or not we are true, transformed, devoted followers of Jesus Christ. You are listening to CCF Run-Through, timeless truths for today's life in just 30 minutes. If you want to hear more or know more about our ministry, please visit ccf.org.ph. Enjoy listening! Good day, everyone. Greetings of grace and peace in Jesus. Are you familiar with this old saying? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. A lot of us were familiar with this saying as we were growing up. But the question is, do you agree? Is this true? I don't agree, and I'm pretty sure neither does the Bible agree with this saying. As a matter of fact, I'm sure many of us, maybe all of us, have at least once been very deeply hurt by something that someone once said to us. Words can indeed be very powerful. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, what does this mean? Well, it doesn't literally mean that a word can kill a person or bring him back to life. But certainly you and I know that hurtful words can cause something to die inside of a person, maybe a dream or an aspiration or a person's self-esteem. In the same way, an uplifting word can practically breathe new life into a person and inspire him to go on with life and persevere. Our message for today, friends, is this. Be a blessing with your words. It's a habit that you and I need to build. And this is applicable whether it's in our spoken word, whether it's in our written communication, and oh, most certainly on social media. The Bible has some very strong warnings about how we should use our tongue or our words. Now, I believe you and I know that there really will be a time of accountability before God someday. Someday we will stand before Him and give an account, a time of reckoning for how we lived our life on earth. But perhaps many of us don't realize that that time of reckoning, that time of accountability will include the words that we chose to speak and the words that we chose to withhold. Now, it doesn't mean that our salvation is dependent on our speech. Of course not. The Bible clearly teaches that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus alone. But how we use our tongue, our words in this life, are clear evidence as to whether or not we are true, transformed, devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So, what is our key passage for today's message? Remember our message? 
Be a blessing with your words. Our key passage is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Now, this will also be our memory verse. We will be going back to this verse several times throughout the message so I can practically guarantee you by the end of this message, you will have memorized this verse. So let's begin together. Let's read it. Ephesians 4.29 Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Now, there are at least three parts to this verse, and those will be the three main principles we will discuss. So how to be a blessing with your words? First, stop using unwholesome words. This is the habit we need to break. Second, we need to speak edifying words intentionally. This is the habit that we need to build. And finally, serve others' needs with your words. This is the intention, the objective of why we want to be a blessing with our words. So let's begin with the first principle. Stop using unwholesome words. Back to our key verse. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. The first phrase we want to focus on is this. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. The word unwholesome basically means rotten. Can you imagine something rotten coming out of your mouth? Rotten, worthless, and unfit for use. You and I are supposed to exercise responsibility to not allow these words to come from our hearts and out of our mouths. As a matter of fact, you and I need to check our hearts even before we check what's coming out of our mouths. But you see, folks, from the very start, we need to realize this. We cannot practice this habit simply on our own power. We need God's help. We need the power of His Holy Spirit working in us. Remember the very first message in this series, Develop the Habit of Prayer? Let me share with you an actual prayer from the Bible that will help us guard our tongue, guard our words better. It's from Psalm 141, verse 3. This is a wonderful prayer I learned early in my Christian life. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips. What do you think? Is that a good prayer? I totally agree. Well, what we're going to do now is we're going to look at some examples from the Bible of words that are unwholesome and that we should not allow to proceed from our mouths. This list is not exhaustive, but it will give us a pretty good idea of the words that we need to avoid using. So let's uh, look at these examples together. The first example is cursing. In James chapter 3, we read in verses 9 to 10, with it, meaning the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be 
this way. Folks, is cursing still in your vocabulary? I certainly hope not. But I'm sure there are those of you out there who struggle with this issue. Let me assure you, there is hope for you. When I first gave my life to Jesus in the middle of 1986, one of the first things that he changed in my life from the inside out was my language. He took away all my foul words, my four-letter words. You see, I, I was a very angry person. So when I'm angry, I curse. But at the same time, if I'm happy, I curse. If I'm just telling a story, I curse. You know, my punctuation were four-letter words. But that is one of the first things God got rid of in my life. And so believe me, if there is hope for me, there is hope for you. But again, the verse says, this should not be, brethren, cursing and blessing the Lord coming out of the same mouth. It should not be. Our next example is abusive speech, very much related to the first one, but a bit broader in its context. In Colossians 3.8, we read, But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. What is this verse talking about? when it refers to abusive speech. Abusive speech can refer to outbursts of anger, shouting, labeling like you're a lazy person, belittling the other person, threatening the person, putting him or her down. These are all examples of abusive speech. And sadly, there is a lot of abusive speech taking place even, and I would say especially, in homes and in families. Let me share with you an illustration of how harmful abusive words can actually be. Many, many years ago, I attended a seminar, and it talked about the harmful nature of abusive words. And the speaker said, every time we speak, a hurtful word towards a person, it's like, it's like we drill a small hole in that person, emotionally speaking. So each time we speak a hurtful word, an insult, a put down, or something else, imagine it's like we're drilling small holes into that person's being. Abusive speech indeed should have no part in a Christian's vocabulary. Our third example is lying. In Colossians 3.9, it says, Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Let me ask you, how many spouses have had their hearts broken over a husband or wife who had been lying to them about a relationship, about money, about anything else? How many parents have had their hearts broken when they realize that their child, their teenage son or daughter, for example, had been hiding things from them and lying to them about the life that he or she was actually living? How many church members, even small group members, have had their hearts broken when they realize that their spiritual leader was actually living a double life? 
The answer to all three questions, too many. Another example of unwholesome talk or unwholesome words is what the Bible calls silly talk and coarse jesting. In Ephesians 5.4, it says, And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. What is the Bible referring to when it says silly talk or coarse jesting? That word silly is where we get the English word morons. And the term coarse jesting basically refers to crude tasteless humor. It reminds me of one of our members, a father. He was respectfully rebuked by his own children, and he has many of them, by the way. And the reason why his children rebuked him, it's because he had a habit of making jokes about, you know, people who had a struggle with, say, being overweight or not getting enough exercise or even making jokes about struggles with uh, gender confusion. And his children decided to say, Dad, enough of this. You see, we have friends, they told their father. We have friends who actually struggle with these issues. And their struggles are real. And we shouldn't be making jokes about them. Instead, we should be finding ways to help them. Very wise words from young people to their father. Because no matter how old or young we are, we can always improve in being a blessing with our words. Number five example is slander and gossip. 2 Corinthians 12.20 says, For I am afraid that perhaps when I come, that perhaps there will be strife, jealousy, angry tempers, disputes, slanders, gossip, arrogance, and disturbances. What do those two words mean? Slander and gossip. Well, slander is telling lies about someone else that damages that person's reputation. Gossip, on the other hand, is sharing information to people who have nothing to do with the issue. Now, why are these unwholesome? Because they cause division and they cause damage. And sometimes the damage done will be next to impossible to repair. It reminds me of an old story about a young man who was guilty of slander and most likely of gossip as well. The story is told that he repented, but a wise man wanted to show him the extent of the damage of his wrongdoing. So he took this young man who was into slander and gossip, and he told him, bring a pillow that's full of feathers. And so he brought him to a very high place, and he said, take the feathers from the pillow, and scatter the feathers into the wind, which the young man did. And then the wise man said, Now I want you to go after all of those feathers and pick them up one by one. And the young man said, Sir, I think that's impossible. And the whole point was, when we are guilty of slander and gossip, many times the negative impact can be irreversible. So folks, what is our message today? Be a blessing with your words. And we said that there are three parts. We now come to the second part. 
which is to speak edifying words. Back to our memory verse, but I'll just focus on the phrase that's relevant to this next principle. But only such a word as is good for edification. In other words, we're not just to stop unwholesome words from coming out of our mouths. We need to be intentional in thinking, what edifying words can I say to this person? And the word edification means the act of building. Hence, the, syn the synonym for building is edifice. How do we now make the transition from stopping unwholesome words to speaking edifying words? Again, as I said earlier, we cannot do it simply by our own power. We need to pray. P-R-A-Y. This is a habit that Pastor Peter has been reminding us of for quite some time. And that is P, pause. R, resist the first impulse. A is to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. And Y is yield to the Holy Spirit's control. And when we do this, we will be ready to speak edifying words. What are some examples of edifying words in the Bible? Okay, let's begin with the most obvious one, encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. So the whole idea of the word encourage is to come alongside a person, to help him. It's the same word that describes the Holy Spirit. One verse that tells us how powerful encouragement can be is found in Proverbs 16.24. It says, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. How does this work? Folks, in my first few weeks of my recovery from COVID last year, not to mention the loss of my wife to the same disease, I was in constant medical consultation with my doctor, who happens to be from CCF and also from our small group. And so this doctor would monitor my condition, monitor the medicines I was taking, the progress I was making, and so forth. But at one point, I believe the doctor sensed that I was losing my, my spark for life. I was losing my desire to persevere. And so she paused from our medical conversation, and she just said to me something very simple. She said, be patient with yourself as you recover. God has a plan for your life. He has things for you to do and people for you to minister to. Man, I tell you, those words went a long, long way. Encouraging words. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it tells us where we can find a source of such encouragement. It says, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. My friends, in our small groups and certainly in our families, we should be sources of encouraging words towards one another. Second example in the Bible of edifying words is speaking the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. What does this mean? Speaking the truth in love. 
Let me give you an example. Every year, my fellow pastors and myself, we go through an annual exercise called 360-degree feedback. This is an opportunity for our fellow pastors, our family members, uh, people we work with, uh, even members in our small group to give honest, candid feedback about our strengths, but more importantly, our areas for improvement. And you know, when we see the summarized information, it's nice to read about our perceived strengths, but it's painful sometimes to read about the areas of improvement or our areas of weakness. But we need to hear these things because they help to build us up. In our families, in our homes, I pray that we will be able to speak the truth in love. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath. How does this work, especially at home? I remember when my late wife and I would have disagreements, which were few and far between, I must say. What I would do is I would often approach her and remind her, we are not each other's enemy. We have a common enemy and we need to stand united against him. So it was not only truth. It was also in the delivery, the tone of my voice. And she would always appreciate how gently I would give her that reminder. A third example of edifying words is apologies on the one hand and forgiveness on the other. In the story of the prodigal son, Luke 15, we read, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Apology, forgiveness, both edifying words. It reminds me of that time when this man was kneeling in front of his wife and asking for her forgiveness. You see, the wife discovered that he had had multiple flings. And this man actually didn't even expect his wife to forgive him. But you see, this woman had become a follower of Jesus not long prior to this incident. And so she forgave him with a very gentle voice, with unconditional love. And this paved the way for this man to himself become a follower of Jesus. Another example of edifying words is prayer. In Numbers 6, 24 to 26, it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. My children and I are in very constant communication almost every day. But many times the way we end our conversation is in prayer. It is my privilege to bless them in prayer. And I know that they're very happy to receive that blessing. Another example is a couple of weeks ago, one of our members sent me this very unexpected text message which truly blessed my heart and it had to do with prayer. He said to me, I remembered you in my prayer today. I pray that God will continue to bless your leadership in the church and that he sustains you behind the scenes. I pray that God will continue to expand your borders 
and that he will protect you from the traps of the enemy. I remembered also to pray for God's comfort for you and that you will always feel complete in him. What can I say to a prayer like that except, Amen, may it be so, Lord Jesus. Our final and best example of edifying words is, of course, the gospel. In John chapter 6, verse 68, Simon Peter answered Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Friends, to show us just how edifying, how powerful and life-transforming the words of the gospel are, please listen to the story of our brother, Ivan Tan. Good day, everyone. My name is Ivan Tan. As I look back at my past, I can definitely say it was filled with many bad habits. Swearing or heavy cursing was one of them. As a kid, I thought it was the norm. I was exposed to people cussing left and right, especially in school and places where I hung out. It got worse when I was much older. Every time I would open my mouth, foul words were always the first to come out. I used them not only as a form of expression, but also as a way of intimidating and hurting other people. This included friends and family. I had total disregard for who I was talking to, where I was, or what occasion I was in. My profane and abusive language was a perfect match for my arrogance and pride. Nobody tried to correct me. Maybe I would not have listened anyway because I was full of myself. I feared no one and had this belief that I could do and say whatever I wanted. I was always on attack mode. At the same time, I was living recklessly. I was into drugs, womanizing, and out of control. Then God dealt with me. I lost everything that was valuable to me and was left with nothing. This was my lowest point. I was hopeless. I had nowhere to go and no one to turn to. I met a man who loved and served the Lord. He was a music composer and a song leader in their church. He learned about my condition and knew I was about to be homeless. Without hesitation, he welcomed me into their home. For almost two years, I lived with his family. With them, I experienced and witnessed a different kind of environment from what I was used to. I watched how they lovingly related with one another. They were kind with their words, affectionate and respectful towards each other. There would always be conversations about God, and every day they would play and sing worship songs. I believe this was how God personally revealed himself to me. Slowly, I was being drawn, and I found myself wanting to know more about him. As I discovered who God is and how much he loves me, I humbled myself and put my trust in him. This journey brought me into complete surrender, and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. When I gave my life to Jesus, I prayed that He would change me and remove all the ways in me that did not honor Him. One of the things He removed was the habit of swearing and cursing. It was instantly put to a stop. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I have not sworn or cursed for the last 16 years. Those who knew me before find this unbelievable. But with God, all things are possible. I still have much to improve in terms of how I use and choose my words. I confess that while I no longer curse, my struggle with controlling my emotions sometimes leads me to speak hurtful words. Thankfully, the Lord is faithful to convict me when I do, and He teaches me how I can do better. God has changed my heart and has given me the desire to please Him both with my actions and with my words. Now that I have my own family, my wife and I share this conviction. 
We will do our best to live out our faith and create a loving environment for our children where we all practice habits of open communication, constant encouragement, genuine acceptance, and unlimited forgiveness. Please pray for us that we would always speak words that bless, build up, and reflect who Jesus is. Gracious, merciful, loving, and kind. To Him be all the glory. Praise God, Brother Ivan. I am so sure so many have been blessed with your words. So let's go back to our message. What again is it? Be a blessing with your words. Three parts. Stop using unwholesome words. Speak edifying words. And now the objective. Serve others' needs with your words. That is the last portion of our memory verse, of our key verse today. It says, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. And the word grace here means leaning toward the other person to give them benefit. Folks, as we end our message, I'd like to tell you that the best example of a person who speaks words to bless according to the need of the moment to give grace to the one who hears is none other than Jesus himself. Let me give you just a few quick examples as we wrap up. Do you remember the woman who was caught in adultery? The religious leaders brought her before Jesus. Jesus was writing on the ground and then one by one her accusers left. Well, we pick up the story in John chapter 8, verse 10, where it says, Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Why did Jesus say these words? Well, he knew this woman needed to hear at least two things from him. Number one, she needed to hear that she can find forgiveness in Jesus. But she also needed to realize that sin is a very serious matter and a truly repentant person through a relationship with Jesus and the power of his spirit will be able to overcome a life of sin. My friend, I pray that the words of Jesus will speak to you today. Are you caught in a sin today, my friend? Jesus wants you to know these same two things. That when you enter into a relationship with him, your sins will be forgiven. And through his power, you can overcome your present life of sin. Do you remember the Apostle Peter? Of course you do. He was the one who said, Oh, Lord Jesus, I will go with you, even if it means I will die with you. And not long after, he denied Jesus three times. But after Jesus resurrected, he had a private conversation with Peter. And this was the tail end of that conversation. In John 21, 17, Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Folks, Peter knew 
that his love for Jesus was not perfect. But that day, Peter needed to hear that Jesus still wanted him on his team and that Jesus still had something for him to do, that he could still be useful for the kingdom of God. And so Jesus told him, Peter, tend my sheep. My friend, are you a follower of Jesus whose love has grown cold or whose, whose passion has waned? Maybe you've turned your back on Jesus and have gone the way of the world. Come back to Jesus today. He wants you to know that he wants you on his team. He still has a plan for your life. If you think that you've become useless for the kingdom of God, think again. Because Jesus may well be telling you what he told Peter that day. Tend my sheep. So my friends, one final review of the three ways that we can be a blessing with our words. Number one, we stop using unwholesome words. We speak edifying words. And we seek to serve others' needs with our words. But you know what, folks? We've said this earlier in the message. There is no way that we can do this consistently in a way that pleases God if we do it on our own power. It needs to be through a relationship with Jesus Christ and by the power of His Spirit. And that's why I'm reminded by this final story of how Jesus spoke edifying words to a man who needed to hear this truth. The story is about Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Verse 3 says, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What was Jesus, in essence, telling Nicodemus that day? Nicodemus was a man who prided himself in his religion, in his own morality. But Jesus is saying, you cannot live a God-pleasing life on your own power. You need to have a relationship with me. You need to have me change you and transform you from the inside out. That is the meaning of being born again. Being born again is not a religion. It is the result, the transformation that takes place when a person fully surrenders himself to Jesus as Lord and Savior. My friend, if you want to be a blessing with your words, if you want to be a blessing with your life to others, if you want to truly represent Jesus on this earth, you need to first be in a relationship with Him. If you haven't done that yet, if you haven't surrendered to Jesus to make Him your Lord and Savior, don't do it tomorrow. Do it right now. As a matter of fact, let me bless you by praying in your behalf. Will you tell Jesus something like this? Come on, pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love for me. I thank you for speaking the truth so clearly that I cannot live out this life of blessing people with my words purely on my own power. You want me, first of all, to have a relationship with you. And so, Lord Jesus, today, I give you my life. 
I surrender to you myself, my entire being. I open my heart and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Now, Jesus, change me from the inside out, my heart, my mind, and of course, my words. Help me to represent you well and to be a blessing to others through all the things that I do, especially with my words. Dear Jesus, from this day forward, I belong to you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for promising that you will never leave me nor forsake me. I give you back the honor, the glory, and the thanksgiving. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen.